Hello, and welcome back to the Claim the Stage podcast. I'm Angela Lucier, your host, and the Claim the Stage podcast is a show for women who are creative and entrepreneurial, who want to get on stage, inspire audiences, and get paid. Today's episode is with my intern. (laughs) (laughs) from my office, who is a motivational speaker, an author, and an all-around awesome person. Before we jump into that interview, though, I have an amazing, exciting, special announcement for you. We have a special podcast event coming up. Now, typically, I record my interviews, and then I... uh, post them each week for you, but this podcast will be done live, and I'm going to give you the opportunity to show up live to this podcast and participate in it because it's all about introducing you to the Speaking School for Women. So on September 7th, grab your calendar, write this down. This is my first announcement of it. September 7th at 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. London, I will be holding a special live podcast event. That's right. It is Create Your Speaker Brand 101, an introduction to the speaking school for women. In this special podcast, you are going to get to create your speaker brand. And this is huge because this is week one of the speaking school. I'm going to give you a mini introductory course to what you'll be learning in that six-week course so you can decide whether or not it's for you. And you'll also walk away from that podcast with an idea of what your brand is. We're going to answer the two most important questions every professional speaker must ask themselves before getting on stage. And I'm going to walk you through it so that when when we're done, you can look at your finished product and say, okay, I know what I need to do next. And we'll also do some live coaching on the call, which is one of my favorite things to do in the world. We'll do some Q&A, and I'll give you that overview of the Speaking School for Women. A cool bonus you're going to get at the end is a special one-day offer for everybody who attends this special event. If you want in on this, it is space is limited. I'm probably only going to open it to about 30 people just so that I can give everyone attention to help them with their speaker brand, you need to register. To register, go to AngelaLucier.us and click on Speaking School. And right at the top of the page, I insert a special little section there about this podcast event. Click on the little link that says register here, enter your information, and you will be registered. This is a teleconference in a sense, but it will be airing on the podcast the next day. So Just know that you will be heard by all my listeners, and it's a great way for you to get your brand out there because you'll be featured on my podcast. So it's very cool for everybody. Quick overview of today's podcast episode with my intern, Tondo Zono. Tondo is one of the best natured people I've ever met. I love her ability to laugh at herself. I love how positive she is and how she is always striving for excellence. And you'll learn more about her advice and how she does this in today's interview. Enjoy. On today's show, I'd like to welcome Tando Zono. Tondo is a motivational speaker and author who uses her experiences from being a former South African national hockey player, former award-winning UMass field hockey player, 
first team All-American and currently a hockey coach to encourage people to define their goals and go after them relentlessly. While also pursuing her master's degree, she is passionate about building leaders, changing mindsets, and improving performance. In her talks, she uses insights from the competitive world of sports that parallel the competitive world of life. She empowers her audience by sharing her positive message of creating a culture of success. Her personal philosophy is to choose to be great and keep thriving. Tondo is also my summer intern, and she is amazing. So Tondo, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure, Andrea. Thank you for having me. <laughs> this is great. I have to say, um, we work in the office together a couple of days a week, and I always look forward to having you come in because you're such a ray of sunshine. <laughs> you, always have, you always have the best attitude. And there are just some days when, you know, I'm having a rough day, things aren't going well, and you just always have the best words of wisdom. And I just recommend everyone works with someone who is also a motivational speaker. <laughs> it's like the coolest thing in the world. Because even though I'm a motivational speaker, I still need pep talks. So a couple of weeks ago, I was scheduled to give a talk and I was having a rough day and Tondo came with me to the presentation. And as we were sitting in the parking lot, getting ready to go into the building, I said, all right, Tondo, you have to give me a pep talk. And she gave me the best pep talk ever. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to give you a pep talk just because now I feel so inspired. So I thought we would start today's podcast <laughs> by giving each other pep talks <laughs> so we could share the world of two motivational speakers hanging out together and um, maybe give other people this idea that they should have a motivational speaker in their pocket at all times when they're going to do something difficult, even if it's just a friend who could give some positive feedback and advice for them when they're going to do something that might be difficult. So I thought I would go first. Does that sound good, Tondo? That's totally fine. Okay, I'm going to make this up just off the cuff because that's how we do things in the world of speaking, impromptu. All right, Tondo, you are an amazing individual who constantly strives to see the best in people, and you are someone who can wake up in the morning and decide that you are going to be great. And the best part is you follow your own advice, and you are always great. And just being in your presence makes me feel like a better person. And you have a smile that's contagious. Your energy lifts people up, even without saying a word, and you always make me feel like I can do anything. And those are some of the special special attributes you have without even really doing anything. And I think that's the, the really great impact that you can have in this world just by showing up as who you are. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Oh, my glorious. Okay. Uh, that was great. You're not supposed to pull on the heartstrings. You're just supposed to motivate me. Man. I'm <laughs> going to cheer up. Okay. Um, okay. Now so it's my turn. Okay. okay. All right. So, Angela, every week you're producing quality content for your listeners. You're never boring. You bring in guests that inspire and teach topics that resonate with people. They challenge them or give them insight into things they've never heard of before. And this platform has been, um, this podcast has been a platform where hundreds of people are invited into this adventure which you created 
And it started out as an idea and, and you brought it to life. And so what I've seen is that no one can do a better job of putting this podcast together than you. And this is not some act or performance you put on. It's 100% Angela Lucia. And it comes across that way completely. Um, you are unapologetic. Absolutely amazing. And we need more women to be doing that. Um, so I see this. This is your gift to the world. So number one, thank you. Number two, we need this. Um, so don't deny us of that. Uh, your work is authentic and it has your signature of excellence marked on it. So you're great. Your work is great. <laughs> I'm inspired. I'm inspired by it. And I know that a number of people agree with me on that. So keep doing what you're doing, man. Keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. All right. So this is the part where we both cry. <laughs> oh, man. So if anyone's wondering about Tondo's motivational speaking skills, there they are. <laughs> so good. Thank you. So good. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> I mentioned in previous podcasts that when I started my speaking school for women about um, eight or nine months ago, I started by interviewing women who are interested in becoming speakers. I interviewed 75 of them and I'd put out a call on LinkedIn just in a couple of different groups I belong to and Tondo responded in the UMass Amherst Alumni Association group because she is a student there and she said I'd love to be interviewed and I'd love to meet you and talk to you about your life as a speaker. She and I met up at a coffee shop. We talked a, a little bit about the, the school and about her background and that's when we decided like she needs to be an intern with my company and She's been working with me now for the last three months, and it's been amazing. So I am very happy to have you, Tondo, on my show today. And I can't wait to share your story about how you got here from South Africa, what you've been doing on the on the field hockey team and as a coach and as an author and now as a speaker. So let's let's go back in time a little bit because you have a fascinating story of how you got here from South Africa, and I'd love it if you could share it with everybody. All right. Um, so I, I grew up in South Africa and I was playing field hockey from a young age. Um, I'd made the junior national team throughout high school, uh, going into university in South Africa. So at that time, things were going spectacularly well. Um, and then moving to the States came into the, um, into the picture when I experienced my first major disappointment in South African field hockey. Um, I did not make the South African team for the under 21 World Cup team in Boston. So that was like a tough blow for me, being cut in the last round um, and having played South African hockey all my life. Um, so, yeah, so it was, it was very difficult for me. Um, so then I had to put that behind me and continue playing, you know, because, you know, things move on. And around the same time, a coach from the U.S. was recruiting in my hometown and she was looking at younger players. And somehow, I don't know, I have no idea how this happened, but somehow my name got dropped in. Um, so I got into contact with her. And she started working to try to get me over here um, and things like that. But funny enough, I didn't end up going to that initial school um, because they wanted me to change my major and I didn't really want to do that. Um, so then a second school then approached me, uh, which is in a much warmer part of the country, I figured when I came over. Um, and, but they only offered me a partial scholarship, so I, I couldn't afford that. So, you know, I had to turn that down. And then UMass came up. Um, as option number three and they were willing to give me a full athletic scholarship and so I'd never been to the States before that and it was really really exciting for me to explore something different um, and I just chose I'm going to make the most of this opportunity and I went with it so I talk a lot about that experience in my book and I share that ah 
excuse me. Um, but then also, at a, you know, looking back, it was like a failure allowed me to kind of have this opportunity. And so it fell on my lap. But then I just used that to the best advantage. So I think sometimes, you know, we think things are terrible and then they can bring out like, the best experiences in us. So, so, yeah, so that's how you know, I got here. And, and how did you get into motivational speaking? Um, so it started when I was in my senior year um, in um, university. And so when I was training, I started listening to these motivational tapes. Um, it, it was just, you know, something that I did. And I remember hearing these guys talk and I was like, I can do that. I was like, no, in fact, I, I want to do that. And so it, that just created this desire in me to want to do that. And then that following spring, I was chosen as one of, um, you know, like a few tour guides that were giving speeches to over a thousand prospective students and their parents at an open house and, and inspiring um, people about, you know, what they wanted out of college. And so, you know, initially you'd think that it would be a small number, but, you know, I was like, let's go big. It's fine. Um, and so just the response I got, you know, from the people who came up, people I didn't even know was just really remarkable and encouraging. And so then I just started believing that I can definitely do this. So, so after graduation, I moved to Perth. Um, in Australia, and I still played hockey, but I tore my ACL, so I needed to have another knee surgery. And going home, I moved back home to get the surgery done, and the doctor wasn't very optimistic about, you know, me being able to come back and being able to play at the top level that I was playing at. Um, so in the meantime, I'm recovering, and um, I was working with these young girls, and so I was like, I want to have a positive impact on their lives, and I want to help shape their thoughts and what's coming after high school. And um, so they always were fascinated by my story and attitude and, you know, always ask, like, Tando, how did you do this? You know, um, and so I realized that I don't want to just be working with hockey players. You know, I, like, I was like, give me the whole school. So then I started calling up schools and youth organizations and I just wanted to give motivational talks to students. But, I mean, initially it started when I was an athlete hearing them like hearing speakers and I was like, I want to do that. And then I just found a way to get into it. Are there a couple of speakers or, or motivational speakers you recommend listening to that you felt really inspired you early on? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he doesn't like to be called a motivational speaker, but I'm always going to reference him. Number one, like Tony Robbins. Um, he's just a, a great guy. Like just how he thinks and, and what he talks about. It's really life changing. Um, and then, obviously, like one of my favorite motivational speakers, uh, Eric Thomas. Uh, he's also called Eric the, the Hip Hop, E.T. the Hip Hop Preacher. Uh, fascinating stuff. Check it out on YouTube. And so that was the style of speaking that I wanted to, to, to be a part of and enter into. So the, those two guys were really like, you know, instrumental in me wanting to become a speaker myself. Cool. One of the things you talk about in your motivational speeches is creating a culture of success. Can you tell us more about what that means? Um, yeah, so I'll, I've been doing a number of talks for sports teams and not just high schools, but also like at collegiate levels. Um, and so when you find that, you know, in, in competition, every team wants to win that lucrative championship. It's like almost like this thing that's dangled in front of them. And then often that I've seen with success, successful teams is that, you know, the ones that continue to be dominant, you know, like reaching the final fours or going to the championship, um, going to those places is like a standard for them. It's like the norm. And so... But a big part of that is like the belief, you know, that that plays a huge role. And people think that just because they're a dominant team and they're successful, that they've always just believed that, you know. And then but then when you go back and you see when they started, when they weren't the top tier team, you know, they still believe that um, they were able to, you know, be a great team. And so that's what I love about, you know, trying to instill in the teams that, you know, even if I'm working with a team that's not doing so well, like 
how do we as a team get to think that, okay, we're all on this mindset, we all want to gun for this championship, even though we don't have, you know, the results that we want right now, like how do we get that common belief going on? Um, and so I, I just love, you know, since it's the Olympics right now, if you look at the, UMA, the, the USA women's field hockey team, last year they came in last, um, in, in, not last year, in the last Olympics, in the London Olympics, they came last. And currently now they are about 4-0 and and they're considered top contenders to, to win it all. And so I think like, you know, when you look at them right now, they totally believe that they can go all the way. Um, and I remember reading up on, on the team after the London Olympics, and even though they didn't get the result that they wanted, the belief, like you could still see it, you could hear in what they were saying, that team still believed that they were a top contender team. And so, you know, four years later, they came into that. So I really play uh, a lot on that. And like, how do we get everyone on that same page to believe that, hey, we can go out and reach the top? Um, and so that, that plays a very, it's a, it's a huge part that I try to stress with the teams that I work with, uh, creating that culture, yeah. Now, you recently wrote your first book. Can you yeah. tell us about how you decided to put that together and how did you get to write a book? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay, so my book's called The, the Pursuit of Excellence, uh, Learning to Be Nothing Short of Extraordinary. Um, and so I, I talk about, you know, my journey through, through hockey and um, it was challenging to get it done. Uh, but it was very important for me to do it. So I, I really believe in the power of owning your own story uh, because you never know who it will impact and how it will impact them. So I thought, man, like, and to inspire other people to go out and pursue their passion and see what it takes them. I didn't think that I would be where I was, you know, being able to go across the world, get a free education, play a top sport. But that was just simply me saying yes to something that I love to do and taking it as far as I could go. Um, and I think it's also really great to see young people stepping up and being unafraid to try things and try to leave their mark in the world. And so I, I'm not saying that I have it all, you know, but I just I wanted to just do something and be like, hey, it can it can be done. Um, and so, yeah, that's what, that's why, you know, initially I just thought I, I, I would definitely I definitely do this. Well, I think a lot of people have that idea that they have something they want to say, they have a story they want to share, but to actually sit down and write the book is a totally different thing. So how did you find that discipline or that that focus and system in order to sit down and actually put the words on paper and, and create something of such value? Um, so um, I first, I actually went to a seminar for it, all right? So it wasn't some, I wish I could say something that popped into my head, but I went to a seminar on, on writing a book um, it was a two-day seminar in, in South Africa, and they were just teaching you basically how it, it only takes five minutes at a time to, to, to write a book. Because sometimes when people think of a book, they think that I was probably sitting in my room with the door closed, and I just wrote for like three or four months. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and that wasn't true. So I just decided what message I wanted to, to have out. And then I broke it down into different like chapters. What, what do I want each chapter to be about? What, is, what do I hope people take out of it in that so when I started breaking it down I started asking myself different questions in each chapter like what what do I want to address what do I want to talk about and how is it going to be important to people because you don't want to just sit there and just talk about your life people are going to be like okay well that's great what about me um and then I just started taking snippets out of my day literally I would set a timer for like five minutes and I would just write literally it was like free writing um, and it just, you know, five minutes just became like 10 minutes or 15 minutes. And, but I kept doing this consistently. Um, and I still, you know, until I finally, I had a book and, and then I started refining it to actually make it something that was, you know, worth reading. But it was just in I, my life didn't stop in any way. 
Um, I would just focus on getting it done. And, and so I did that. Well, one thing I love about you is that you're so confident and self-assured and I've never seen you waver. And I know that writers often have, they suffer from self-doubt and they'll put something down on paper and they'll look at it and go, well, that's stupid. Or why would anyone want to read that? And I have writer's block and I don't know what to write and I'm stuck. And so were there moments when you were writing your book when you felt like, this is stupid, I don't know why I'm doing this? Or did you figure out a way to get over, get past that kind of thinking in order to just get the words down and keep going? Um, I did I did have some of that, you know. Um, I think I felt like a nobody at one point. Uh, but I think I shifted my view in that, you know, I'm not trying to be a John Grisham um, or something like that. You know, I, I, I'm Tundal. And so I just really had to be honed in on that and like what is Tundal about and what message does Tundal want to, give to the world you know and so I, I love that I'm Tando <laughs> um, and I don't mean that in a cocky way at all but it was just like it was shifting my perspective because if I keep comparing myself especially to people who've been doing this for 20 years or 30 years I'm always going to fall short and so that's always going to make me feel so small but I was just like this is what I have to offer and I and I believe it's great you know and so I just I just let that carry me through and you know and so and people, I've had good responses about it. People have been really excited about it. People I don't even know. Um, so I'm happy I went with that choice. And so I'd rather figure out down the line if it sucks, uh, but I'd rather still do it um, and know that I followed through with that. And so, I, you know, so I just put action behind it and then I'll see the result will speak for itself, but I'm still going to do it. That's yeah. cool. So one of the other things you talk about is owning your story. And I would say just from talking to you, you definitely own every part of your story. And how is that something that you share in your book? Or is that something you talk about in your talks? Like, what does that mean? And how does that how, how are you sharing that? Um, well, I think it's evident in the stories that I talk about in the book. So I don't have a set place where I say, you know, you should own your story. Um, I think it's just evident throughout the whole thing. Um, but I do definitely bring it out in my talks, you know, and I think it just comes out with the individuality of it. Um, I love stressing that, you know, like I said to you in a motivational talk, there's no one else that can do what you're able to do. And so when you notice that you're an original and you try find the gift in that, it's just really exciting to see people step into that and actually want to make, um, you know, their mark on that. Because then you, then you notice I don't have to be like anybody else. I'm myself, you know. And so that's great in and of itself. So I should share it because there's nothing else like it. Um, I think, you know, I'll talk a little bit about the speaking school, but you saying public speaking is like a master in your own psyche. So you owning your story, it's about you. You can tell it anywhere that you want. Um, and just don't forget the power in that because people can get something from it all the time. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, you just said so many things. I, I feel like I could have 180 follow-up questions. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure if this is the right one, but... How how do you step into that? I feel like every time I give a speech, I'm stepping another inch into my uniqueness and into my voice and the person that maybe I started out as when I was born that I somehow ran away from and now I'm circling back to. And I think we're always doing that. Like we're trying to get back to our center because school and society and culture has sent us away because we thought we had to be someone else, act a different way, show up as something else. Mm -hmm. So do you have any advice on how to get back to that person who you are and how to step into that? So when you show up on stage, you're really letting your, your true self shine, not the person that you think you're supposed to be. Yeah. 
Um, well, I like to say, you know, you, you, you have to ask you, yourself this question, like, what is it that I want to achieve by this, right? Is it, do I want to impact people or do I want to share a message or do I want to be popular about this and, like, entertain people? So when I think when you answer that question, like, I'm not there to entertain people because if I think about entertainment, then I'm so focused on that. You know, this requires a person to be funny or this requires me to be a certain way and I'm like, that's not who I am, you know what I mean? And so if I'm focusing on trying to entertain people and just keep them smiling, I'm always, I'm, I'm drawing the attention away from myself and what I have to bring. Um, so I love to ask myself, you know, what is it that excites me? Um, because that question can be answered, you know, whether you're 80 years old or you're 20 years old, that gets to the heart of like, what is it that excites you? And I think you should talk about those things that which excites you because it brings out who you are you know like if you think of when you talk to a child and you ask them a question about something that's interesting to them they don't have to pretend you know oh i am this person you're just being so honest about something that's close to you and something that gets you excited and the same thing with somebody who's older than i mean who's older even us as adults yes we have all these things that tell us we should be a certain way but if i ask you if you tell me like i know you're passionate about like you love hiking or something right and if I ask you about hiking, you don't have to put on a facade and say, oh, um, wait, how does someone talk about hiking? It just stops. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> so I think when we really ask ourselves, like, what excites us and start focusing on that, then our true self keeps coming out because it's like your, your heart is happy. Be joyful. So you're, you have to come out. You know, nobody else steps into that because it's you. So I think that asking that question really helps me step into that. That's amazing. And I want to tack something onto that because, you know, I've done years of coaching, business coaching, career coaching, and I've had this conversation about what gets people excited so many times. And I'm often met with the question, well, I don't, how do I know what, what gets me excited? I don't even know. Like, there's so many things out there. I don't, I haven't found my passion. And my advice is always to just go out and try things. And like you just brought up hiking. I didn't even know until this year that I love hiking and I'm 35. Like I, I would have no idea that that's something that would get me excited to talk about until I actually stepped one foot on the trail and just got out there into the woods. So like beyond recognizing what gets you excited, the next step is to also just go out and try more things because there are probably so many things out there that you could be excited about if you just tried them, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. In your book, uh, The Pursuit of Excellence, each chapter has different principles. And I was wondering if you could tell us a couple of the principles that you deem most important for speakers and for people who are in that pursuit of excellence. Um, okay. Um, so one of my, my favorite ones is called, it says, grow where you are planted. Um, and, and, and I love that one because you have everything you already need. You know, I think when you want to go out and do something or even like, let's use the example of speaking, right? You just think, oh man, I need to be in a better city or I need to be somewhere else. Like you're always never okay with the current situation that you're in. And I think if you make use of, of what you have right now, grow where you planted and then you'll be able to move on to other things. But if you can't even use the minimal stuff that you have right now, like how do you expect to move on to something better? Um, so I love, I talk a little bit about that. Um, and then the second one, become obsessed with improvement. You know, we have new cars, new gadgets, excuse me, new gadgets coming out and, you know, people are always finding ways to be better. And the same things need to happen for us, you know, like 
become obsessed with improvement of yourself. Find ways to keep getting better. If you're the same person that you were last year, like then there's something wrong. Like you need to be updating your operating system uh, as a person and like maybe think of different ways to present your, your, your information to people. How do you, you know, just find ways to be better. And I think when you focus even on improving on little things, it doesn't have to be these monumental changes, but I think it will take you far. Um, and then the last one I just think of is, is it's called, it's the last chapter, it's keep dreaming big dreams. And, and so like, it's good to set goals for yourself that feel like they fall out of your reach, you know, because that those should scare you at night. You lie in bed and you think, oh my gosh, how can I even think of dreaming of such a thing? But it keeps you always working towards something. And so you want to strive to be good at it. Um, so I don't know. I just think that that always gets me through. That's always what I try to keep implementing in my life and I'm learning every single day I don't get it right all the time uh, but I just find that those are pretty important in that pursuit of excellence to kind of get those three well yeah and speaking of setting big goals you decided in grad school that you were going to write a book which is a crazy pursuit because you're already doing so much work I I only made it through a semester and a half of grad school because I was like this is an insane amount of work and it's not that I couldn't do it I didn't feel like grad school is a good fit for me but I just say from experience that to also write a book while you're in school is a big deal and so can you tell us how publishing a book helped with your speaking um yeah so it, it was it was so weird right so before I even wrote the book I was trying to get these speaking gigs and I wasn't getting the responses that I wanted so, um, you know, like people either weren't getting back to me or, you know, I was getting notes. So it started being a bit discouraging. And then when I thought of, okay, let me put this book, you know, in, let, let me actually produce this book and, and tell them. Like when I write, when I email people, I call them, I tell them like, I'm Tando, I'm a motivational speaker and an author, you know, literally it was like day and night. Then like they suddenly were interested. I was like, I tried to talk to you three months ago and you weren't responding. And the minute I say, I wrote a book, it's kind of like, wow, wait. Um, so that was, that was really fascinating for me. Um, and it was just a way for me to get, you know, my foot in the door, um, which I'm, I'm never going to, you know, apologize for that or just, you know, be sorry about that. That's exciting. I'm happy. But I, I just see how it shifted how people saw me. It, they, it gave me this authority, um, which, which I loved. So I was, I was really happy that, that happened, but it was, I did not expect it to. Like, I think I've heard speakers talk about this, you know, try to get a book published, find something that you can like add um, for people. And, and just when it happened to me, it was like, oh my gosh, this really works. So it was great. And so in the early days of trying to get speaking gigs before you could state that you were an author, how did you deal with the no's in trying to get those speaking engagements? Um, <laughs> well, you know, I, I was telling myself that, you know, I had to, I had to keep going. Um, and I know that's weird because like kind of, I'm getting noticed why I'm going to keep going. Um, I just tried to use that as encouragement. So I think of it, it's like a game of numbers, right? Since I am, a, I'm a former athlete. Um, you know, I love to think in terms of sports. So for example, like sometimes you have to approach like 10 people and then you're probably only going to get two yeses. So when if someone says no to me, it's just leading me that much closer to a yes. So look at baseball, right? If if you hit the ball three times out of ten, you can you know go into the major leagues. You know, just three, three out of ten. And so it's just so it's also like I shouldn't put so much pressure in myself. I don't have to think that every every time I go and 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 pursue and try to get a, a speaking gig that it was going to be a home run. I'm going to get those no's, but I have to keep asking so that eventually I can get that yes. Um, so I just try to apply that you know principle to speaking and. Yeah, so it worked. I'm happy I kind of stuck out with it. But yeah, that's what I applied. 
So as a speaker who's starting out, what do you think has been most important in developing yourself as a speaker that you think might be useful to share with other new speakers? Um, I would say, first of all, find a speaker that is doing what you want to be doing and find a way to to connect with them, Um, right? Because, like, I think... If you look at someone who's successful, success leaves clues. And so you've got to be eager to learn and ask questions to learn from them. So I'm going to use the example of how I got in contact with you. I know you mentioned it in the beginning, but when I found out that you were doing the speaking school, I was like, I need to latch on to that. I was just like, I don't care what it takes. I'm going to find a way to work with you. And so I think when we first met, I wanted you to become a mentor. And your first response was no, which was nice. Let me explain why you said no so people don't think you just say no out of the blue because you just said you you didn't have the capacity to do that, right? You were building your your, your speaking school, so you didn't have that capacity to have to watch someone and mentor them, which I understood. And I was like thinking to myself, I need to get a yes. Like, I don't know, is this like a sales technique? I have to find a way for her to say yes. So then I was just like, okay, I will intern for her. I was just like, this, I'm going to find a way to help you. I was like, okay, great, you're doing this school. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you somehow. I didn't know what that entailed. I've never helped anyone with anything like that. But I was like, I need, I need, this, I need to work with this woman. Like, I need, I need her knowledge. I need to know how she did it, what she did, because literally in three years, I want to do what she's doing. Uh, and so you have to be persistent in that. Find a speaker that can kind of help you. You know, It doesn't have to be an everyday thing, if, you know, but just find a way that you're in contact with someone that's able to help you in that journey. Because... You've helped me, uh, you know, you've prevented me from making mistakes that, you know, would have taken me like six months or even a year into my speaking um, to kind of rectify that. Um, so, and you, I don't know, you just, you never know, you never know unless you ask. So if you don't ask, the answer will be no. Um, and then also, I think also getting on stage, you know, you have to keep on speaking, whether, I, you know, you have to get in front of an audience. You can practice it many times in front of a mirror. You can talk to your plants, whatever it is that you want to do, but you have to get out to an audience. Um, and, and so that just, it's like practicing. If you want to get better, you have to get out there and do it. Yeah, that's awesome. I feel, I feel like you took advantage of me. No, I'm <laughs> no, I think that's brilliant. I'm so excited that you, um, that you did that. Like when you heard a no, you're like, no, we're, we're, we're going to get a yes today. We're not leaving this table until there's a yes. Not, I, you have to be bold sometimes. So I was just like, I don't know. I'm just going to try it either way. Yeah, that's so great. I hope that everyone really hears that advice and takes it in and is persistent because I think often we're too we're too comfortable settling with a no and walking away. Like look for new look look for other open doors, look for other angles. And I'm so glad you shared that story. Speaking of the speaking school for women, would you be up for sharing a couple of your takeaways just so that everyone listening who might be interested in taking it when it launches again in September can get an idea of what the experience is like and just kind of tell us like what you got from that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so it really helped me take myself a lot more seriously as a speaker, right? So I think it really opened your eyes to think, you know, what does it take to become a professional speaker um, and so it really shifted my view because at first I was just like you know I just want to be a motivational speaker and I'm just gonna talk about a few things but I was it was very generic it was very general and so you know even in that first day that we, we start that speaking school you know it, you have to start having more focus you know you start to talk about a niche right so you learn that from day one and literally everything moving forward is based on that niche so if you don't have that right it's like well, you know, you're really missing out on how to really make this work for you. So that was a really uh, very important for me because we like to think that, you know, I need to be able to talk about everything, man. Like, you know, it's so applicable to everything, but there's never 
a general solution like there's never like a, a general solution to a specific problem and so you'd rather have a specific target market that you want to speak to and address than just think oh man I'm just going to float around and I'll just talk to anyone and everyone it's not it's not going to work out for you it's going to be very frustrating um, so I learned the power of no I learned the power of being specific and if things weren't in line with what I want to be talking about I just had to honestly say no I'm sorry this is not something I want to be doing um, I, I, this is the direction that I want to go, uh, you know, I want to be heading. Um, and then also, like, I also learned that and your talk in, is an addition for your next talk. Um, so it, it, put, it first put a lot of pressure on me. I was just like, oh, man, so my, my, my talk has to be really good at this point, right, so that if I want to get another gig. But it was just very important that you want to deliver your best every single time. If you want to go and have another talk, you, you just, you're always auditioning. Um, so I, I just, I really, really love that. And I mentioned also the other one, having a master's in your own psyche. I think it got to, I got to learn a little bit more about myself and what I wanted to offer to people. Um, and so that was incredibly helpful. And then being around other women who were thinking along the same lines and they were aspiring to do what I was doing was very encouraging and motivating. So each week when either having the check-in course with you or in the group course, when you hear other women are doing what you were doing, and it's just, it's so inspiring. You feed off each other or if you're all having the same problems. I think on week three, everybody was like, oh my gosh, I don't know what problem I want to solve. And like everyone is having a similar problem. Um, so it was really great to just know that you're in it together. You know, it's not, Yes, in the end, you're going to have to go out and, you know, do everything on your own. But I just love that, like the team element. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And I, th I think hearing everybody say, you know, I heard someone else ask a question on the group coaching call and that was my exact question. And not only was I happy to hear you answer it, but I was happy to know I wasn't the only one freaking out about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, um, so thanks for that. I'm glad that you got so much out of it. And I'm wondering if you have any advice in terms of mindset, because I know that's a big part of your work for speakers that, you know, if they feel like they have some kind of mindset that might be holding them back, if there's a better mindset they could have as they're getting started as a speaker, do you have anything to share about that? Um, yeah, I think you have to think about, you know, what you have to, you have to think that what you have to say is of value. Um, so, you know, sometimes I've found that, you know, I tell these people about public speaking in general, they're always like, man, I don't know, I don't know if what I have to say is, you know, worth saying, um, and, you know, what if people don't want to hear what I have to say, and I just like, I, I just try to, you know, trump that and say no, you know, what you have to say is, is, is important to somebody, it can be important to someone, um, so don't doubt yourself and like think that no, it's not, it's not important, first of all, people won't beg you to speak, right, so you have to place yourself in a position to be heard and be confident about it, and so, and so like tell them like this is what is special about me, um, and so I, I really like, I think limiting beliefs just don't um, help us much at all. So don't hold yourself back and thinking that what I have to say is not of value. It is of value. And you just, I mean, I talked a little bit about what excites you. And so think about that in, in your mind. Um, but yeah, people want to hear what you have to say. So since you talk about yourself in the third person sometimes, do you say Tondo <laughs> is valuable? <laughs> I feel like I want to make a sign that says Tondo is valuable and hang it over your desk. And then I'll have one over my desk that says Angela is valuable. <laughs> It's kind of cool to have your name in it instead of saying I'm valuable. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I I try not to don't put myself in third person because I just find it so funny. I'm just like, it's you. Why why are you telling Tando? It's just like no, that's just 
almost some narcissistic stuff. Stop, stop. Um, <laughs> I think it's funny. <laughs> All right, we're going to jump into our lightning round. We're doing our five quick questions with Tondo. Okay. Number one, what's the number one piece of advice you have for women who are speakers? Uh, there aren't enough of us. Uh, we need to tell our stories. Uh, people need to hear that. So keep doing what you're doing and, and help groom other women. Yes, I love it. Number two, do you have a personal operating philosophy? And if so, what is it? Uh, yes, I think it's almost like two instead of one. But number one is choose to be great. So do the difficult things. Um, it's so easy to be down when you know things are not looking well for you. It takes courage to rise above that. Choose to be great. And then also keep thriving. You know, if, you, if, you, if I say you're thriving, you're already you know, it means you're already doing well right now. So keep going. Number three, what advice would you give to your 25-year-old self? <laughs> um, I would still say pursue your passion, no matter what, kid. Keep uh, pursuing your passion. And what advice do you have for your 95-year-old self? Uh, we made it. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, my soul, yeah. I say we made it. Don't lose that fire inside of you and, like, keep thriving. I still say it till that day. Are you going to say, Tando, we made it. Tando, we made it. <laughs> <laughs> Number five, if you had to pick one object to represent yourself, what would you pick? I would pick gold being refined in fire. Uh, oh. um, I know, that was hectic. I was deep. <laughs> but, but I'll be very brief with this. It's just that, you know, you welcome the challenges, right? So I want to be in the fire. I want the tough circumstances to help mold me to be, become a better person. So I always welcome challenges. And so it, it brings out something so much more beautiful and valuable in the end of the day. Gold being refined by fire is the coolest vision I've ever had. Like I'm trying to envision what that looks like. And that's just amazing. So all I can say is damn girl. All right. Lastly, what does it mean to you to claim the stage? Uh, speaking with authority and be uh, positive to share what you know. So most importantly, do it with passion. Like people need to feel, you know, that you love what you're talking about and so they want to listen to it. Um, but yeah, speak with authority and, and be passionate about what you, you're talking about. So cool. And how can we find more information about you and your book? Uh, so you can go to my website, uh, www.tandozono.com. Um, also, you can find me on Twitter, at uh, T-Zono, so T-E-E, -E, and then my last name, Zono, or on my Facebook page, which is facebook.com backslash Tandozono Motivation, so you can find more about me. <laughs> <laughs> and Tando is spelled T-H-A-N-D-O. Yes. And I'll put links on, on the webpage too. So thanks so much for coming on the show. This was so fun. I'm really glad I got the chance to interview you because you have such amazing energy and ideas and your motivation and discipline is like so impressive. I feel like when I'm watching the Olympics, I'm like, Tondo should be there. I don't know. Like, it's just, you're, you're like an amazing person who just has so much to offer and I can't wait to see you continue thriving. All right. Thank <laughs> you so much, Andrew. I appreciate it. That is it for today's podcast episode. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Tondo. She's one of my favorite people. And don't forget to check out the live podcast event at my website, AngelaLucier.us, and click on Speaking School. Next week, I'll be interviewing Val Nelson, who is a coach who works with introverts. And I'm always asked about how introverts can be good public speakers. So I decided to ask her some of her questions and her opinions on how introverts can get out there, overcome the fear of being seen on stage, how to manage their energy as a speaker, some of the mistakes 
mistakes introverts make and how they can become professional presenters and still be able to hold on some of, to some of that, that energy they need in order to do everything else in their life. So I hope you will tune in and I will see you then. In the meantime, stop waiting, start creating. See you later.